Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Cece. And this is Claire. Hello friends to our headline news edition of our 10th series of Sedition on February 6, 2022. We have three super interesting stories and even better takes, so let's get into it. So our first story of today is that two men in Miami stole $3 million worth in medical ventilators. Court documents revealed that the pair, Denise Hernandez and Luis Ura Montero, stole a tractor filled with 192 medical ventilators that were being transported to the Miami International Airport on August 9, 2020. The men are now sentenced to 41 months in federal prison after stealing ventilators that were supposed to be delivered to a COVID-19 intensive care center in El Salvador. The ventilators were worth around $3 million and were owned by the United States Agency for International Development. They were stolen in South Florida, according to a news release sent on Friday, February 4th, by the U.S. Attorney's Office in the South District of Florida. They both pled guilty to the theft of government property. Hernandez was sentenced back in December, while Montero was sentenced this week. Dang. Yeah. This actually happened a while ago, though, right? These Floridians. Yeah. And this... Well, I'm assuming that this happened in 2020 because Mm -hmm. the ventilators were supposed to leave the International Airport on August August 9th. 9th. Right? 2020. So... I'm just wondering, like, why this case just took so long to close? Like, could it be they were yeah. just on the run for that long? Or did everything um, just kind of drag out forever, <laughs> you know? I think, well, Hernandez was sentenced back in December. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, yeah, it could be both, honestly. You know, like, these days court ruling can take forever right i know that's the thing like i'm sure now like right now a bunch of people are still waiting uh for the court date to happen for something that happened a year two years ago you know Mm -hmm. and you know that's uh, one of the inefficiencies of the american justice system right that's like the thing i was so concerned about because this is such a serious issue like they stole ventilators that were supposed to go to an intensive care unit Obviously, if they were stolen, they don't have them, and then, who knows, lots of people could have passed away because of COVID, because they didn't have those ventilators. I think in this case, I don't think that it's, um, they didn't have the ventilators, because I'm assuming if they were caught earlier, right, they probably Mm. transported it back. I'm hoping. Yeah. Unless they just found out now? Um, I mean... They possibly couldn't have found out this late just because they the were day sup- happened. like yeah, yeah, and also they noticed back in August like oh, this shipment was supposed where to go out and did it. Yeah, where did they go? Mm-hmm. So I was just well, I mean they probably replaced them. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we didn't have any kind of shortage or anything like that. But you know, still a very serious issue. It's very scary how so many people are taking advantage of this terrible situation right exactly i'm so mad about that medical ventilators are one thing and this reminds me of this case that happened i think a few days ago where we found out that or you know 
the government found out that two nurses like raked in hundreds of thousands or even millions by faking vaccines. What do you mean like faking people would vaccines? pay them? Like people would pay they were nurses. People would pay them to take a vaccine card and write like fake Oh like, no. false stuff and then so it like then they could use the vaccine. Like they could have the vaccine card but never have took taken it. Oh, so then you're just saying that they dished out the fake vaccine cards. Mhm. Mhm. Oh wow. And they made bank. Oh wow. I mean, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Claire, no. no, as in, like, fair enough, as in, like, a lot of people don't want to take the vaccine, but they have to, right? They're supposed to. Yeah. Like, a lot of places require you to show their vaccine cards now, like, even here in San Francisco or mm-hmm. other counties close to us. So, I mean, it would make sense that would, it would make sense that they would make bank just because a lot of people want to get out of this and they're giving that solution. But it's... Uh, it just makes me wonder how many people out there are having fake vaccine cards, right? And they're basically uh, a lot of people. Yeah, I know, but like they're basically fooling people and spreading this or making this even worse. I mean, I think it's super annoying to see because from my perspective, right? Like as someone who is fully vaccinated and boosted, right? Mm-hmm. Especially at my school where I'm under the assumption that most people most people around me are va- uh, like fully vaccinated at least. Yeah, same. And and so like with my vaccine, right? From my personal perspective, I feel safe, like I feel comforted that I have this cushion against getting the like covid, especially like someone in our floor got covid. Not oh. in, sorry, backtrack. Someone in our hall got covid. He tested positive at his lab and then we all had to test. Luckily, I'm negative. This happened this week. Last, uh, when I moved in, we saw this girl leaving. She was leaving because she tested positive. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah. And, like, I hear cases of people testing. Like, I know someone in my one of my clubs who tested positive. So it's like it's happening out there. And I mm-hmm. feel like, and I personally feel comfortable by the fact that hopefully my booster and my vaccine will protect me against that but also in the case where i do get it my body would deal with the uh with covid much better and so i wouldn't go through you know because covid is like if you get covid it's hard on you sometimes Mm -hmm. unless you get boosted and you have your other two shots i'm pretty sure it just i think it makes your symptoms better it's more like a cold than anything yeah okay i understand the sentiment where like you don't want the inconvenience of covid is very scary for me personally and Mm -hmm. for the people around me Mm -hmm. but also at this point like i'm more i don't want to say annoyed but frustrated by the fact that if i get it then i have to go through so many things like i have to isolate for two weeks i have to move out all my stuff um my roommate would probably have to move out all her stuff or like like clean it and whatnot I don't know what the protocol is exactly, but I would definitely get isolated in a hotel. I would be alone for two weeks. Right. And it's just so inconvenient. And that, of course, I'm worried about my safety. Safety over inconvenience to a certain point, right? But right now, now that my safety is okay, right, I'm... It's just inconvenient. Like, why why do you want to put yourself through that, honestly? Like, not... I mean, I under I also understand not wanting to get the vaccine, I guess. I know there's a lot of people that 
understand COVID is a really big deal, but just choose not to get the vaccine for whatever reason, which is interesting. But, like, they still social distance, mask up everything. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just... I don't like, know. if you're willing to put up with the inconvenience and, with one, a risk to your own s- health and safety and an inconvenience of keeping yourself health healthy and safe, then go for it, right? Like, you do what you have to do to keep yourself safe. But if you're not even doing that, like, it's just... Mm-hmm. And, like, even if you are doing that, you can't fool other people and try and say, Yeah. I am fully vaccinated. Because there's just such a big difference between those vaccinated and unvaccinated. Like, the way COVID is in your body. Yeah. Especially for the people who happen to be immunocompromised, right? Exactly. And they cannot take the vaccine for medical reasons. And so mm-hmm. you're putting them at a greater risk by deceiving, like, they, like, if you meet someone, right, and they say, I have the vaccine, like, you live under the assumption, or you act under the assumption that you are, like, at maybe, a, out of three, a safety level of two, right? Yeah, just much but safer But actually, you're everyone. at a safety level of one. Or none, you know. Or none, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's scary. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it just, like, there's a, I think there's a level of, like, deceit. Like, just be upright about it. Just say, like, I didn't take the vaccine because blah, blah, blah. Then I can take the correct measures to make sure I'm safe. Yeah. There is also, I mean, the issue of places making it extremely inconvenient for those unvaccinated to enter premises, which I understand. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just have those unvaccinated mask up a lot and keep an eye on them, make sure they're social distancing. I think that might be better, but I'm not sure if you're in a store that's filled with hundreds of people, how are you supposed to keep track of those that aren't vaccinated? There's just a lot of nuances to this, that's just what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but again, like... I wouldn't give these people who stole the, th- like, medical ventilators, like, any benefit of the doubt. Like, it's a medical ventilator, and it's August 9th. We've been, like, five... True. We've been five months into the pandemic. The only benefit you of know. the doubt that I would give is just that they didn't know what was in there, and they just wanted a tractor. But at the same time, that's just still a pretty shit thing to do. So, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. People are weird, Claire. I know. Anyway, if you guys want to learn more about this story, you can head over to NBC Florida where there's more information about the people that stole millions of dollars worth of medical ventilators. And there are probably other stories out there as well that you can check out. Mm-hmm. Well, on to our next story. Six juveniles were determined as persons of interest in threats to historically black colleges. So on Wednesday, February 2nd, a law official announced that the FBI identified six people as persons of interest in a series of bomb threats that specifically targeted historically black universities. At least 17 historically black universities received bomb threats in one week, and the threats do not seem to be credible, at least not yet. School officials at the affected universities 
still took precautions, locking down buildings and temporarily canceling their in-person classes. On Monday, January 31st, at least seven HBCUs, including Southern University and AMN College and Louisiana and Delaware State University in Delaware, received bomb threats. At least 10 other HBCUs, including Spelman and Howard University in Washington, reported threats on this past Tuesday, and Howard also received bomb threats on the Monday and January 5th, almost a month ago, when at least eight HBCUs also received threats. The FBI said that it is investigating the threats as racially or ethnically motivated hate crimes. And although this is the f- uh, and although at this time there are, uh, sorry, and quote from them, although at this time no explosive devices have been found at any of the locations, the FBI takes all threats with the utmost seriousness and we are committed to thoroughly and aggressively investigating these threats. Sorry, let me drink some water. I don't know why. <laughs> No, you're good. Overall, the bomb threats are on the decline. In 2020, the FBI reported 818 bomb threats, which was a 25% decrease from 2019 and the lowest number in five years. I remember this is okay. This does not have, it's not directly correlated with the HBCUs. I remember when the pandemic happened, there was a lot of content out there regarding the fact that. Because school was no longer in person, there would be no bomb threats because, you know, like, uh, how does that work? <laughs> like, there's Zoom, like, those, <laughs> what do they call it? Like, yeah, everyone's, everyone's at, at home. home. You have, like, possible, have, do you know what a Zoom bombing is? Like, random people would come oh, in. Oh, like, people Yeah, that happened to one in. of our classes, yeah. or one of the teachers, one of the classes that one of our teachers ta- uh, taught. And yeah, people would just pop in and say random stuff and then leave. Like, I remember our journalism class, our teacher told us that somebody came in, played WAP by um, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, and then left. Like, how weird is that? But, anyways. Yes. But I... Yeah, so that's why there's a decrease, right? 2020, there's, like, school was pretty much online schools canceled like you of course you're gonna have less bomb threats so i feel like the bomb threats doesn't necessarily state how like state uh show that the climate or the reasons for bomb threats in schools like like bomb threats in general have gone are declining but rather i think it's just there's a secondary, just, okay, sorry. This, another factor. Yeah, another factor, which I think is the cause of it, mm-hmm. which is schools online. So, of course, bomb threats Yep. don't happen. Remember when we had, like, three bomb threats oh my in God. the span of two months our freshman year in high school? I remember. I that remember middle fun. school. Oh, middle no. school was a blast, too. I remember we had a couple bomb threats, and... Our school had a rule about mm-hmm. not having phones in your pockets yeah. at school. We were and in 8th grade. Yeah, and you had to keep your phone in your backpack, and your backpack was supposed to be in your locker at all times. And when that bomb threat happened, nobody had their phone on them. Nobody was allowed to get their backpack from their lockers, which had their phones in them. And I remember I 
had to pass around my phone because my parents <laughs> really, really drilled into me. Fuck the school rules. Put your phone in your pocket in case of an emergency. And obviously that came in handy when the bomb threats happened. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Our middle school was really weird about that rule. I mean, I understand, but like at the same time, like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like some, like they have to call their parents. Yeah, and the teacher would not, like, the teachers were not sharing their own phones. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> I, I do. Honestly, I do understand the fact that why, like, why they didn't allow us to have phones in school. I mean, yeah, we were middle schoolers. Of course, we'd spend all their time in class, probably yeah. on our phones, which makes sense. But the t- mm-hmm. but the teachers did nothing. Like, I don't remember. I, I have my parent. I still, to this day, I still have my parents' phone number um, in my, like, memorized. memorized? Right? So if yeah. a teacher gave me their phone, I could just call, like, hey, mom, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know? really quickly. They like, we're not going to hog your phone for 10 minutes. Yeah. So... It's just, it was a stressful time because I think that was the first ever bomb that I'd ever been, been I'd ever got, like, yeah. been through. And, you know, like, I was in eighth grade. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, all I've ever heard about was, like, in the news, right? I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, we've never, at that point, I didn't think we'd done a drill yet for that, oh, no. of any Because that was, like, when every, I think that was when the bomb threat started going up yeah. a little, right? That's when mm-hmm. the, quote, trend, I don't want to say trend, but that's Ugh. when, sorry, but I, that was when, <laughs> like, the, um, the frequency started to rise a lot. So we hadn't had a drill yet because we weren't in that time yet. Whereas in high school, which was the next few years, we already had experiences about bomb threats already, plus a lot of stories on the news talking about school shootings and bomb threats and stuff like that. So, of course, we'd Mm -hmm. have those drills and we'd be, quote, prepared for anything that happened. Which is so sad. It is. Like, I I just can't imagine, like, of course, you're always hoping that the things that they say aren't, like, aren't true. And it hasn't been true, luckily, or, like, uh, for the times that we were threatened Especially in high school, I remember it was within two weeks, there were like three weeks, there were two of them. We sat during PE on the grass. Like, I was in my swimsuit. We were about to go in for our swim unit. And they were like, never mind, guys, you're going out to the field. And we sat there. In the sun, baking. Yeah, and that's why all the mirrors in our bathrooms were gone. Mm, Mirrors? Why the mirrors were gone? Because the bomb threats were always written on the mirrors. On the mirrors, and there was another time. Wait, was, was it the mirrors? Snapchat. I don't remember. They just monitored yeah, people going in and out the bathroom. I just remember bathroom. That. Yeah, they started monitoring people. They're like, um, people. They would stand outside the bathroom, and oh, be like, yeah. like before you, you go in, like you like you can't. You had to put your bag outside. You couldn't bring your. Also, like I don't know, was it to prevent vaping as well? But anyways, like the, the, yeah, they guarded the bathroom, and obviously, like I. And another time it happened in, I remember I was in French class and there was another, like, scary moment. Like, we were huddled and I was actually worried because they weren't drills, you know. When they're not drills, it's just, you're really hoping nothing's bad is happening. Like, 
and you feel like like 90% it is like even 95% it's not going to happen but that 5% is so so terrifying at times mm-hmm. and you try to push it down you're like this is probably like a small thing and you're yeah, hoping I don't think anything's thing. happening like just trying to reassure yourself the entire time when eh, when in reality so, you like, never know for these hbcs to go through those like so many and like the fact that there is like for us right when we had the bomb fits there was no like they really couldn't find the motivation it's just like a bunch of stupid kids we're like, yeah. ah, bother. Oh my god, no. like, I'm so funny. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, but for them, like, when there's historic action against them, like, historic hateful action against them, like, is it's a def- different level of scary. And I hope, like, I hope to God these are actual jokes. And obviously, like, joking is bad, but, like, at least it's not real. Yeah. And I, so I think the that... The FBI did say that they're not... Or there's yeah. no real meaning or real threat behind them, but still. Yeah. The FBI is good at a lot of things, but for some reason, when it comes to actual public safety, they're like shit, you know? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't even... I don't know. Anyways. I I hope to God they figure this out. I know. At least they have six people in mind. I'm just yeah happy okay. that they have some people responsible. I'm just surprised that this keeps happening, you know? Like, we thought... I always somehow think that, oh, mm-hmm. we're out of this phase. We're out of this prejudicial mm-hmm. phase that happened way back. But obviously not. Like, these are racially charged, apparently. And... I don't know, I just hear stories about little kids being friends with each other, like, kids of different races, like, bonding so well together, also, like, white. I think I saw a picture of a white little girl holding a Mm -hmm. black doll, and I was like, oh, wow, interesting. Like, the parents didn't bother to police that kind of decision, saying, like, oh, like, the black doll's bad or something like that, right? And I just... I always think that this type of prejudice starts with the upbringing and how parents, how society, mm. how the community talks to kids about race. Like, I grew up in a... I'd say a kind of prejudice household, to be honest with you. Thank God, both of my parents have changed. I'm so happy about that. But there's... <laughs> I just remember when I was little, there were a lot of ideas being put into my head that certain people were bad or to avoid certain people that looked like this. Which, okay, fair enough. You see on the news that, like, oh, this person shot somebody and he happened to be black. But at the same time, that's also issues with the media and how they portray these Mm -hmm. types of people, right? But a lot of people also don't know that. So they like to have these prejudices in their minds and then pass them down to the next generation and the generation after that i'm not saying it's not their fault i'm just saying that they're trying to be safe but at the same time like what the fuck right it's just a lot of these types of negative ideas you have in your head are from your parents and from the communities around you it is it is i wholeheartedly agree with you 
we were learning about how um we were reading this article like why white people call the police on black people and it was talking about how like when you don't know something like you naturally were prone to naturally fear it right and the combination of our natural instinct to fear something we don't know plus our um like the context that we're in like the environment you grow up in kind of what's in your head is is what uh is what drives people to do things obviously right Mm -hmm. but they were talking about like which one is it like is it your biology like your natural fear or is it more your like context and this is sort of the basis of nature versus nurture and it's basically it's more honestly this stuff is more nurture than you than nature like naturally you are um you do feel more safe with people who look like you right Right. you're supposed biologically yeah you're supposed to gravitate um, towards those people but that's like when you're a baby and when you're a really really little kid yeah, but the thing is, when you're a really little kid, that's something innate in you that you honestly, it's like almost impossible to get rid of. Like, you will always be naturally drawn to someone who looks like you. Mm-hmm. And when you're drawn to someone that looks like you, right, you kind of, you develop this us versus them concept, right? Us is the people who look like you, and them is the people who don't look like you. And although those are really innate, right? They're there when you're born. The everything, um, yeah. Although they're there, then you're born. Your context and your environment can change that, right? Right. And it's. But yeah, so like what you said, like it is your upbringing and maybe like people will bring in like, oh, the biology is like this, biology is like that. Yeah, we know everything about biology, but at the same time, there are like so many examples of people all, we all technically have the same biology, right? We Mm -hmm. act a certain way, right? But we turn out also different, right? You and I are not the same. Me and everybody else are not the same, even though we have pretty much the same biology on average, mm-hmm. right? And it, it's about what you do, honestly. We were learning about how, um, like, during Vietnam War, there are a group of soldier, American soldiers, and they're there to protect the, I think, I don't know which part of Vietnam they were in, but they're there to protect the villagers. And so a group of them went ahead, and they started like ravaging the village they were killing women they were killing children it was terrible and these are american soldiers right Mm -hmm. and so this one guy he was like he was dispatched last or something and he was driving his helicopter to make sure everything's okay like because the plan was to make sure those people are safe and he comes down he's like what's going on like why are like why are my fellow soldiers killing these people and he came down, he's like, and they were about to kill, like, these group of American soldiers were about to kill the last group of women and children. And this American soldier flew his helicopter down in the middle and was like, 
like come closer and I'll shoot you down to his own soul like his own colleagues right obviously this was a big thing at that time and like these all these same soldiers like a group of them they're all pretty much the same they have the same biology same build same like pretty much like similar backgrounds they trained together they ate together and like how they do such like so different things mm-hmm. you know so like biology matters but there's no point in looking at biology if you can't tell the context yeah honestly i'd say the nurture is more important than how you're built biologically like 100 percent, in my opinion yeah if you want to read more about this you can check this article out at star tribune last but not least for our last story over 500 acres of california redwoods are returned to indigenous care so a conservation agency in california called save the redwoods league donated more than 500 acres to the intertribal sinkion wilderness council the council consists of 10 indigenous tribes that have been connected to the redwood forests for thousands of years many many generations ago as we know european american settlers displaced native americans from their land in the redwood forest region and now the sinkion council works to conserve california's north coast's marine and forest environments mm-hmm. and to protect culturally significant lands waters and biodiversity in 2020 the save the redwoods league bought the 523 acre forest on the lost coast of california's Mendocino county located in the northern california coastal forest region on january 25th 2022 the groups announced that the ownership of the forest property will be transferred to the council all over the world, native peoples play a very critical role in maintaining and protecting Earth's remaining biodiversity. Since, you know, with climate change and everything, there honestly isn't that much left. So, according to the United Nations 2021 policy brief, indigenous communities make up about only 5% of the world's population, but take care of around 25% of the Earth's land, which is very significant for such a small population. Some good news to end the day because the other two stories were kind (laughs) of trashy and sad, so. Yay, I remember going to the California Redwoods. Oh, no. Never mind. JK. (laughs) I went to Sequoia. Nice, but either way. Low-key have a bad, I have such a bad history with Sequoia because that's when my eczema came back and freaked up my skin. I was eczema free for five years. Goddamn Sequoia. Oh, but then when you went on that trip, it just came out again, and it's been here since. Yeah, I remember. Oh I came God. back, and somebody was like, "You look oh, a little no. sunburned," and it was winter time. I was like, "Oh, it's just a rash." <sighs> oh my gosh! I was like, <laughs> I was on the verge of crying. Oh no! I wasn't really. Okay, good. But like, bruh, you don't say. But that. I was like, "Why is your face so red?" I was like, just shut up. Why does your face look like that? anyways that's really good news i think in san diego um the indigenous tribe here is one of the largest landowners and although like i think this is really good i hope this is good land because um indigenous tribes especially when they were displaced basically forced out of their homes and moved uh forced into the midwest they were given large pieces of land but they were shitty land, you know, like nothing mm-hmm. could grow. Oh, yeah. Animals could not be there. 
you know, so it was, they were played twice. I mean, they weren't played twice. They, they were just, people just took advantage of them twice, you know. So yes. it seems like in this case, the 500 acres is not only a significant amount of land, but significantly rich and significant importance, right? Because you can get a whole bunch of land, but if that land is nothing, you know, what's the point? Yeah, and I, like this has been it. Uh, the last part is has been said so many times by many experts of how the current native people today have developed a very sustainable way of keeping up with the land, and it's because of it of like hundreds and almost a thousands of years of tradition, right? Back then, we learned in apes, right? AP Environmental Science. Mm-hmm. We learned about like people, like indigenous groups who are no longer alive today, who like lost their land because and like died off because they didn't know how to take care of their land. And obviously, there were a lot of tribes and groups back then. And they, to be able to survive all the way now, they've developed traditions, customs, and like smart strategies to take care of that land and now we are only now are we fully utilizing their knowledge Mm -hmm. and working together with them yeah i was just thinking that we should also learn ourselves too just because the number of people or the number of indigenous people and their relatives are dwindling so small and we can all do our own part to you know Bring this earth back to life from its desolation because of climate change and what we've done to the environment. Just a thought. Mm. But yeah, for our last story, you can head on over to One Earth or the Smithsonian. They both have stories about this wonderful good news story. So yeah. But before we leave you today, we have our Sunday snippet into the past. So, on February 6th, 1968, Charles de Gaulle opens the 19th Winter Olympics in France. And this is in light of the Winter Olympics starting very recently. Yay. Go watch if you want. You know, I saw um, a discourse on the internet. I sound like such a mom when I say that. Discourse I, on the internet? I, some discourse on the internet. <laughs> nice. That um, there's a Canadian, a Chinese, a Canadian or Chinese American, who she's um, ethnically half Chinese, half some sort of European, mm. and she decides to represent China instead of America. Okay. And people were like, I think it was like Next Shark that came out of the article saying that people were a little bit pissy over the fact that she decided to join China uh, because of, you know, CCP and whatnot. But I feel bad because, honestly, they were, like, shitting on her. And although, like, obviously, don't like the CCP either. CCP, you did not hear this. Please don't hurt <laughs> me. Um, but, and I felt bad because she was explaining, like, she wanted to 
honor her mom by representing the country that she, her mom grew up in and hoping to inspire um, lots of people back home who didn't have that role model. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty, like, worth, a worthy reason, at least, you know? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, the, I mean, it's her choice. Like, oh, yeah, here. No, she's, yeah, SF. So, SF Bornski star Eileen Gu, um, they called her decision to represent China at the 2022 Olympics, they called it opportunistic. And she said... Like, the opportunity, she decided it because she wanted the opportunity to help inspire millions of young people where my mom was born. And she yeah, wanted why, to promote the sport she loves. Her. Because she's um, freestyle ski, and obviously China is not a very strong contendent in skiing. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. So, and she made this comment that was like, since I've little, I've always said that when I'm in the U.S., I'm American, but when I'm in China, I'm Chinese. And she preserves it by having friends and being co- able to communicate with people because that's the best way to transmit culture. And people, like, even her, like, uh, fellow skier was like, she this fellow skier was like, it's not my place to judge, but her decision seems opportunistic. And she became the athlete she was because she grew up in the United States. And I think she would be a different skier if she grew up in China. And it would be nice to see the medals going to America. And I know this, like, you know, lots of people do it. Nobody would bat an eye, like, of many American, like, I know this friend who was a very good swimmer and she was planning to compete, but from her home country in Eastern Europe. And I assure you, no one would bat a freaking eye. Right, that's what I was thinking. Like, I haven't heard any other stories about this happening. And I'm like, pretty sure there's a lot of other instances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, she's getting death threats. Like, you stop doing that. Like, why? Damn. Anyways, I, I just think this, it's stupid. Like, let her do what she wants. Literally. Like, she can do what she wants. Stop fucking shitting on her. And also, she's a Chinese citizen now, so... Oh. She was a Chinese citizen since she was fifteen. FYI. Okay, then what's the then what's the problem? Like she's she's a citizen there. Like stop. You don't have to be so mean about it. Whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, that is all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And have a great Sunday.